You're tuned to the Risky Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hutting. And I'm your co-host, Michelle Raymond. You can celebrate another day of living. It's a good news business talk show talking about the exponential world, hosting fabulous guests from all sorts of industries and business, talking about trends, shifts, changes, and how you can not only survive but thrive in this exponential world and just celebrate another day of living and of love. Tune in for some inspiration, some exponential leadership, and some interesting thought-provoking conversations. Wonderful sound there of Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. China Cat Sunflower, name of the song. You tuned to Risky Business, the good news business talk show with the heart of business and the soul of rock and roll. And I'm your host, Brian Hutting, always this evening. And uh, with me in the studio, my co-host, Michelle Raymond. Hello, hello. Bonsoir. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> nice to have you back again. Yeah, it's good to be back. 
And we have the, a fabulous guest in with us this evening. Her name is Olga Maloleke. How are you, hey. Olga? Hi, um, I'm very fine. Thank you. And thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for coming. Pleasure. Thanks for being here. And you are the HR exec for Cyril Ramaphosa Foundation, CRF. Yes, the Cyril Ramaphosa Foundation. Please tell us what the foundation does. Sure, we do a lot of things, um, but um, in short is that um, we have set out to contribute to the improvement of education and the development of small black businesses in South Africa. That's wonderful. And both of those, and particularly the first one, really needing lots of attention. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we're currently struggling with our economy and one of the critical things to ensuring that we can turn our economy around is to ensure that we have a lot more kids qualifying with skills that we need to grow our economy and become a sustainable organization. Yeah. So country, it, I mean. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> is it is it that you you facilitate the provision of funding for it or do you actually get involved in the actual workings of of one the education uh, process and systems and then in turn helping to incubate and accelerate the small businesses? Look, as you would understand, so if you're going into the field of education, the challenges are, are broad and yeah. uh, they require a lot of resources. We can't do it ourselves as the foundation. We do have um, our partner entities that implement um, our strategy within the education space, which is the Sri Ramaphosa Education Trust. We've got Adopter School and we've also got KST the foundation was formed in 2004, so we've been in existence for 18 years now. Mm -hmm. We have contributed as the foundation just under half a billion, so it's 489 wow. million rand in education, but we need more than that. Yes. So we have, through our partner entities, leveraged an additional 1.6 billion rand from corporate South Africa. So the work that we do definitely requires that we, we go into partnership with the private sector to ensure that we contribute uh, meaningfully to the challenges of the country. How do you m manage the distribution of that money? Who does it go to and how does it get sort of <laughs> properly channeled? Okay, so um, as I said, so if we just talk about education alone, we've yes. got um, our partner entities, which is Adopted School, the Sri Ramaphosa Foundation, um, the Sri Ramaphosa Education Trust, NKST, that are in the education space. They are the implementing partners. Okay. So they would be the ones that receive the money and they implement it in the areas where um, the need is or where the donor needs us to operate because we are we are also donor driven. The donors sometimes tell us where they would like us to um, operate. So we go where the donors want us. So if the donor says um, I would like to adopt a school in the Eastern Cape, for example, um, adopt a school will go to the Eastern Cape do the feasibility study and then come back and say this is what needs to happen in that school in order for it to be fully functional and for us to assist to assist the school to perform to its maximum potential. And uh, then the donor will then um, give us the money. And then we go out to the particular school and we implement there. So the money will then go okay. to adopt a school for implementation. So if it's for bursaries for young people that are in varsity, then the money will go to concrete, will then call for applications from um, um, students or young kids at matric. And those that are successful will then um, be assisted with their tuition at varsity and um, other vocational training that we uh, 
and are, Facebook are they, LinkedIn. Are they existing schools or are they sometimes new schools that get set up from scratch? We do uh, various work. I mean, okay. through 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 adopted school, for example, we do um, we we have built schools from scratch. So there's no school. We start a school from scratch. Um, sometimes it's uh, it's a situation where you know you've got a school that needs extra classes. So then we build additional classes in there, or build a, a, a nutritional center, or it's a school that dilapidated and requires you know renovations. We'll go in there, do the renovations. So they need a library. We'll do that. And um, there's a great need for for ablution block. And some schools still have uh, pit toilets well, if they, yeah. if they are fortunate. Some schools don't even have toilets at all. So sure. we also have projects where we would build ablution blocks in school. So it depends on the needs. As mm-hmm. I said, you know, the first thing you do is you need to go and do a, f- a feasibility study and say, what is the need and um, how can we assist? Is right. there an overall need that you're noticing? Is there something common that all the schools need or is it very varied from one to the next? It's varied, but I think the biggest need, as we have learned now from, um, from COVID, is infrastructure. Because, you know, before COVID, before the need for social distancing and all of that, you would have 60 learners in one class. But now um, when COVID hit, um, all of a sudden there needed to be uh, social distancing. You couldn't have 60 learners in one class. So there's a huge need for infrastructure. That's huge. But there's other needs as well. You know, I've already mentioned the ablution blocks, leadership in schools. Mm, I mean, um, our greatest challenge is that unfortunately we only measure performance of school when... um, Kids get to grade 12, yes. but the problem is uh, education starts from early childhood right, development. Yeah. Um, so the, the need is great. There are, there are kids who still need access to early childhood development, which is not necessarily adopted schools uh, space, but it's from grade one up to grade 12. There's a huge need. Um, we have teachers in school that also need, uh, you know, to be developed and upskilled. We're now in the fourth industrial revolution. We have smart boards. Mm. And now with COVID, um, there has to be, you know, online learning. So teachers need to be equipped with that as well. And um, one of the greatest things, things that we pride ourselves in is uh, leadership development. Because if you want a functional school, for schools to perform, you need to have a, a, a proper and strong leadership team within the school. Mm, so um, Adopted School also has an, an accredited leadership development program, which empowers leadership uh, teams in various schools that we work in. Does that include the students or is that just the staff? We do uh, have interventions for, for learners as okay. well. Yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Stunning. Yeah. Just moving on to the small businesses and the mm. entrepreneurial businesses, do you provide like incubation facilities or what do you do for them other than perhaps funding? We do have incubation facilities. We have physical incubation facilities in Johannesburg, in Soweto. But we've also, we, I would say we were like, we had foresight before COVID. We had already started developing a virtual incubator. Okay. So we also do virtual incubation. So um, that means that Anyone um, across the country, doesn't matter where you are, whether you are in Gauteng or the Northwest or the Northern Cape, you can go onto our virtual incubator portal and um, go through our development programs or all the programs that we offer through our incubation program and have access to all the support material and, and resources that we offer through a normal uh, physical incubator.
What are the criteria for qualifying for participation? You need to have a small business. You need to have started a small business. So uh, Black Umbrellas um, works to support small businesses that are in the early stages of their business from uh, inception to the the first three years. Because research has shown that the first three years of a small business are are critical. That's where most businesses fail. And so we want to improve the success rate of small businesses within that first three years. So if you've got a small business, you've got passion, you use the place to be, and we will guide you in terms of how do you grow um, that business from just being a dream to something that's a reality and actually making it sustainable because okay. that's the critical point. So absolutely pre-revenue uh, as well. It's not just a post-revenue type uh, funding. No, no, no. It's 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 not... I don't want to call it funding. Um, Black okay. Umbrellas does not provide funding to, okay. uh, to, yeah. to entrepreneurs. So we do incubation to prepare the businesses so that they are ready. Okay. For, you know how difficult it is for, for a small business to get funding through, through the banks or, or the institutions that fund new businesses. But Believe me, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm saying, you know, uh, and that's why I said in the beginning that our work is underpinned by partnerships with uh, the private uh, sector. Mm-hmm. So uh, we alone cannot do it. Black Umbrellas, it's, it's almost impossible that Black Umbrellas can fund all the businesses no, here. Yeah. So our job is to uh, help the businesses develop and make sure that they have all the, the systems and processes and they are ready for, for funding so that when they go to uh, those entities where, um, uh, which provide funding for small businesses, then they are funding ready. Fantastic. Yeah. You tuned to Risky Business. I'm your host, Brian Hutting. With me in the studio, Michelle Raymond, my co host, and Olga Maluleke. Maluleke, thank you. <laughs> I had it so right and then I tripped over my tongue. Thank you for that. She's the HR manager, executive at CRF, Sorum Opposing Foundation. Up next, we've got the band Heart, the Wilson Sisters. All I want to do is make love to you.
the wonderful Wilson sisters and their famous track, All I Want to Do is Make Love to You. You tune to Risky Business. They also did a great number and a great rendition of a uh, whole lot of uh, Stairway to Heaven. At the, they did. At um, the Kennedy Honors in yes. 2012 uh, to celebrate the, the great band. Led that Zeppelin. was fine tingling stuff. It was amazing. But here we are, and in the studio with me, Olga Maloleke. And, yes. Uh, yes <laughs> again. We're going into a double play, though, for a quick one with Buffalo Springfield and a track called For What It's Worth. There's something happening here what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down There's battle lines being drawn Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speaking their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Every time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down What a field day for the heat Thousand people in the street singing songs and they carrying signs. Mostly say hooray for our side. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's good. Wonderful, wonderful sound of Buffalo Springfield. Featuring Steve Stills on, on guitar and vocals for what it's worth. Amazing times back then, 67, where people were taking to the streets and wonderful human beings like Martin Luther King Jr., who had a dream, uh, credible man. And uh, he said something really amazing. He said, well, the measure of man is not what he does in times of comfort and complacency, but what he does in times of controversy and challenge. That's when... Uh, it's easy to it's easy to be cool when it's cool. <laughs> it's when things get tough that the the real person emerges, you know, and that's when real character comes out, you know. And we see that all too often. You know, it's nice to be a nice guy when things are nice. Anyway, you are tuned to Risky Business, Good News Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Brian Hutting. With me, my co-host, Michelle Raymond, and our esteemed guest, Olga Maloleke from Silver Mafosa Foundation. And we're talking about lots of things, and we've spoken about what the foundation actually does. But let's just talk about you for a minute and find out where do you come from and, and how did you become part of CRF and What's your journey? What do you want to hear? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> People are always so shocked by that question. Like, you, you're still a person. <laughs> no, yeah. My journey is, so you asked where I come from. I'm from a small village in Zanin, in Limpopo. Okay. Beautiful Zanin. It's a beautiful mm. town. Zanin's yeah. a wonderful town. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's where I'm from. How did I... End up with the Sri Ramaphosa Foundation. I don't know. I went for an interview. <laughs> they liked me and they hired me. <laughs> what did but, you study? 
like every child, my dream was to become a doctor, but then did, that didn't work out. Okay. I found myself at a college of education. And so I did a four-year diploma in education. And when I completed my diploma, um, that's when the government announced that there was an overproduction of teachers. So okay. I was one of the over, uh, overproduced. <laughs> overproduced. <laughs> but I did get to teach for a year. And after that, um, I decided to go back to school. So that's when I decided to come to Joburg okay. from Limpopo. So I came here. I studied. I continued um, doing my degree. So I ended up uh, completing my degree, uh, measuring in education and industrial psychology. Uh-huh which I think opened um, the gates for me to get into the human resources field. And I started my HR career with Heartbeat Center for Community Development. Mm-hmm. It was based in Pretoria, so that was also in development. And then we were working with um, orphaned and vulnerable children. So that was around 2002. That's when we were at the peak of people dying from, from HIV. That was yeah. before mm-hmm. the, sure. they found the, the pill for that. So people, people were dying. And I think around then we had more than a million children that were orphaned. So Heartbeat was relevant then. And then from Heartbeat, I joined Makino, which doesn't exist anymore. It was bought by the French company. It's now called Ipsos. It still exists, but not under Makino. That was my taste of the corporate world. And there was a HR manager as well. And I was there for three and a half years. And that's why I'm saying um, I've worked here in Randberg for three and a half years. I was with Makino doing market research there. And from there, I then joined Financial Intelligence Center uh-huh. in Centurion, and I was with them for seven years in HR, still in HR. And then in 2017, that's when I joined the foundation. And for me, it was just about growth, um, development, and I, actually I enjoyed, I loved the work that the foundation was involved in. And I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'm meant to be in the developmental space because I've been there, I was there, you know, for seven years at Heartbeat and now almost five years with the foundation. So, Fabulous. Yeah. We had a passion for what you were pursuing back in the early 2000s. So we, mm. for many, many years, funded a, a nursery school in Alex that dealt with uh, quite a large number of, of AIDS orphan babies. Mm. You know, and mm. it was such a, a joy to be part of that and to see what work they did there and how they made people's lives relevant and mm. gave them dignity and... Mm. No, it it was very hectic in the 2000s. It was very hectic, yeah. It's amazing, uh, you know, what we were able to achieve through science because really uh, HIV is still a challenge, but Mm. things are not as bad as as they used to be. And the stigma, I I think the stigma is also reduced, so that's also helping the problem. And the thing is that you can be living with AIDS. You're not, back then it was you were dying from AIDS rather than living with AIDS. (laughs) Yes, yes, yeah. And you can go on to live a full life. Mm. Mm. Um, Definitely. But... uh, it's amazing how it's taken that long to get to where we are now. Yes. And actually, I think uh, statistics prove that um, HIV is not the biggest killer anymore. That's true. Yeah. It's, yeah. Not, it's yeah. not the number one killer yeah. in South Africa. Yeah. So it's not that scary anymore. It, it well. should scare us. We should work yes. and make sure that we don't get it. <laughs> yeah. But it's not a death threat. Mm. Yeah. So mm. you asked about my education. So I did education. Um, I have a degree in, in, in industrial psychology and education because okay. of my love for that. I have a postgraduate diploma in management, which I did with the University of Cape Town uh, School of Business. And I've just recently submitted my final paper towards my MBA. Oh, well with, yes. Congratulations. Business school. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so what, did just, you, what did you do it in? 
You mean my research? Yes, your, your, yes. your, your thesis. My paper was on remote working okay. and working engagement and PO sector employees around wow. Houghton. Okay. Yeah. So I did it last year. So I think the topic was relevant because a, a lot right. of people were working remotely. So the question is, how does this thing affect people, you know, and, and how does it affect productivity and how does it affect how they relate with organizations? So it was a very interesting um, subject to research on. So I want to ask you a, a, a question that has always sort of puzzled me, is not puzzled me, but sort of presented itself to me, is so many people go into HR with the passion and intent to impact lives and to you know, make a difference in that way. And they find themselves so often in a process-centric role where it's all about transaction and it's all about, you know, Ticking the boxes and getting Compliance. stuff done, and, and, mm. and it's—I think for many it must be such a dismal discovery if that's what they end up focusing on. Mm. And HR, in many organisations, doesn't have cred, mm. and often is seen to be a necessary evil on a good day, and sometimes an unnecessary evil on a bad day. Mm. <laughs> and you sort of at loggerheads with the business, mm. and it differs obviously substantially from organisation to organisation, mm. but but very often inadvertently becomes an obstructor rather than an enabler. Have you, have you found that, seen that in your experience at places that you've worked? Or? Yes. Yes, I've found that. But what I think is that it's actually not the organization that creates that atmosphere. It's, it's us HR professionals mm. that enable it. Yes. Because, you know, uh, in most instances you find that when you are employed, people don't know what to do with HR. Yeah. When I started with Heartbeat, it was still a small organization. We were seven when we started. So there was not even an HR function. I actually started as a bookkeeper. I didn't <laughs> mention that. <laughs> okay. I'm a woman of many trades. Yeah. So I started, with, I started there as a bookkeeper. And as the organization grew, I saw an opportunity. And it just came. Because I was a bookkeeper, I ended up doing payroll. I did a bit of administration. I ended up doing leave administration. So found myself in that role. And if I didn't, um, you know, look beyond just the administrative stuff of HR, I would have found myself stuck as a payroll administrator. <laughs> so would be talking now to me as a payroll administrator because that's where a bit would have boxed me. Yeah. But um, I got involved with the business and I, it's, it's about you as a professional wanting to understand what the business is about and then also saying what value can I add I don't see myself as a leave administrator. There's this technology that administrates Absolutely. that. So you need to see yourself as someone that adds value. And when you get into an organization that doesn't know what to do with you, you need to be able to, to position yourself and say, I'm an HR professional, but I'm actually uh, being a professional. Being an HR professional is more than just, you know, chairing disciplinary hearings, giving people warnings. Yeah. I play a strategic role, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, ter in terms of empowering leadership. I'm a business partner. Yes. can help you take your business or your department from where it is now to the next level, particularly now that we are a lot of businesses um, are driven by, you know, people. And so we need to know how do we strategically enable that and make sure that we are successful. Wonderful. You tuned to Risky Business here on Radio Today, 1485 AM, coming to you also on DSTV Channel 869. Uh, or if you've got the app TuneIn Radio on your phone, you can listen to us from anywhere in the world. That's a great thing, that. And uh, in the studio with me, Olga Maluleke, head of HR for CRF, Michelle Raymond, my co-host. I'm your host, Brian Hutting.
Here's the sound of uh, Chicago singing very appropriately, feeling stronger every day. Sound there of the band Chicago, feeling stronger every day. That's what we've got to do in and through these times is uh, find a way to dig deep within and not let the 
tsunami of content overwhelm us. Most of it is negative. Half of it's not true, if not more. And uh, if we listen to it and focus on it, uh, we'll find ourselves in a very unhappy space. It's about ensuring that we remain resilient and uh, upbeat and grateful for what we have and what we can achieve in this time called life. So here we are back in the studio chatting to Olga and, and Michelle. Tell me something, the name Olga, where did that come from? Question always. Yeah, I don't sure. know. <laughs> you say my mother. <laughs> my mother. My father yeah, gave absolutely. it to me. My father gave it Your to me. Your father did. Okay. Yes, but I don't even know what it means. I understand it's a Russian name. I'm not sure if uh, your yeah, Olga probably does sound Russian. It certainly sounds, uh, you know, sort of Nordic. Eastern European. Uh, Eastern European or Nordic. I don't know. We can deliberate even, on it. Even, but we, yeah. could, even, could even be German or Dutch, you know. But so yeah. somewhere from up there. Yeah, somewhere yeah. from up there. I don't know what it means. I know I have it. I don't know why. Maybe, Maybe he just really nice liked name. it. I mean, because there are not yeah. too many people walking around in South Africa with the name Olga. Yeah, no, there's, there's very few of us. And yeah. I haven't met one who was able to tell me what it means. I, I don't know what my father was thinking. <laughs> but yeah, I okay. have that name. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm mm. going to Google it afterwards and check it out. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about the whole realm of we're talking about HR and, mm. and the challenges that often occur by being sort of channeled into a space that doesn't really inspire or uplift the people being in it. And that frustration, I think, can play out even in the way that they interact and engage. And particularly then in organizations where there is this sort of disconnect between business and HR, which there shouldn't be, you know, Mm. and uh, that sense of am I relevant and am I making a difference, you know, and it's uh, Mm. quite something. Tell me, though, within uh, CRF, how many people are there inside of the organization? Okay, so um, at the Sri Ramaphosa Foundation alone, we have 32 employees, but uh, combined, I'm responsible for 140 employees. Okay. Uh, so that is through Adopter School, Black Umbrellas, and, and KST. So all entities combined, we have a staff complement of 140. But listening to you, it sounds very much like you're not simply focused internally on the people. you focused externally on things that you pursue and do as an entity. You mean the Sri Ramaphosa Foundation? No, you yourself. So Me, myself. Okay. No. Yes, I, definitely. Yeah. I believe I have one thing that, you know, if one of the reasons or one of the factors I consider when I pick who I work for is what value am I going to add? Yeah. So, and, and, and what impact am I going to contribute towards? And um, that value should not just be internal value. It's also about, you know, what are we in the business for? Yes. So I really um, said yes to working for the foundation because I loved the work that uh, the foundation is doing. And, and, and that's why I have passion for that. I, I have passion for education. I have pas- passion for, for youth development. I have passion for the country's economic growth. So that immediately says I have to have passion for small business development and Hope that one day I'll be, <laughs> I'll have a small business of my own. But, you know, so I believe that you cannot work for an organization and not have an interest in the product itself. Yes. Or what you are, what it is that you are involved in. And that's why I'm involved in, in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a certain empowerment 
power is a bit of a strong word, but when you love what you do and you know it's making an impact, mm. that's so important. And if, if people could do more of that and, and align themselves to what they can do, what they're good at, what the company does and how it affects society. I mean, that's, that's powerful. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think we need to, and I, I, I hope that a lot of people view it that way. Money is important, but uh, when you wake up in the morning, it's, it's actually not money that drives you. I mean, I don't get paid to take care of my children. So yeah. it has to be something. Yeah, exactly. And um, so the same, the same principle applies with uh, the work environment. If you do not believe in what your organization is doing, you will not have passion. It doesn't matter how much money they pay you, exactly. you will still not be happy. So you need to be doing something and know that what I'm doing actually adds value and it is making an impact and it's aligned with what mm. I believe in. Well said. What is your expectation of yourself? How do you want to see your impact in hindsight later on? Later on, I want to look back and say I contributed to um, the change. Someone said, be the change that you want to happen in that the world. That was yes, yeah. <laughs> so, so I want to be part of that. I, um, I'm generally a, a, a positive person. I am not negative. And um, I want to see, see people succeed. And so one day um, when I've retired and I've decided now I just want to sit back and have time with my great-great-grandchildren, I want to be able to, you know, tell stories of the impact or the contributions that I've made in impacting people's lives. And uh, that could be in education, that could be socially, and that could be in small business development. But I just want to find myself um, having made an impact I don't want to live just for the sake of living. It must be a meaningful life and I must have a beautiful story to tell um, when I'm sitting uh, there by the bench in the garden. Absolutely. I think you already have a beautiful story to <laughs> tell. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, at, at, at what point do the small businesses exit the incubation or the support and program with, with CRM? Ideally, we don't want them to exit. Okay. <laughs> Ideally, we don't want them okay. to exit. So um, on our incubation program, um, we have a phase where, you know, when the business uh, is now uh, uh, sustainable and they've achieved funding and they're growing and they can stand on their own, we still want them on the incubation uh, 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 platform and in our processes and system because we've got other small businesses that need to be mentored. We live in a world that is forever changing. So you can't say that, you know, now I've graduated the incubation program, therefore I don't need to learn anymore. We learn every day. There's new things and mm -hmm. there's new ways of doing things. The world is forever changing. And if you want to be successful and remain competitive and relevant in the business environment, you need to know what's going on. So if you stay on the program uh, as an alumni, um, you'll also, you know, have access to any new developments in the business space and, and continue to grow. Do you have a type of knowledge sharing forums for the small businesses? Do, do some of those people interact together, even though they might not be in the same space or they might even be competitive? Do you do, you do something like that? Yes, Black Umbrellas, they have different initiatives that they implement. So they would have workshops that they run online. But they also have, sometimes they organize uh, physical ones. So we do encourage our entrepreneurs to, to interact mm -hmm. and share ideas uh, because that's how we learn. You learn from each other. We also have events, um, you know, annual events. We have the, the NIDAS, which is the National um, Entrepreneur 
Awards Day and uh, where we recognize um, our, our top performing um, entrepreneurs. And that also gives an opportunity for our entrepreneurs to to network with each other and other business uh, people because we, it's not just the entrepreneurs that attend the needles. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's all it's also the private sector that attends. So it's always, it's a wonderful opportunity for them to, to network with others. In our physical incubators, um, we do have office space where our entrepreneurs can come in and, and have office space. And that obviously also gives them an opportunity to interact with, with other small businesses that are using the same space. So they do um, get the, that opportunity and we encourage it. We encourage uh, networking because it's through connecting with others that you learn and you grow. Yes. In the onboarding of uh, new players into the, the, the family, so to speak, what are the things that might disqualify them in terms of, of allowing them on board? You, know? you mean in terms of when you apply f- to be on an incubation yes. program? Yeah. might not have the full details right now, but one of the things would be, you know, uh, obviously the, the, critic, the most important thing is that you need to have a, a, a business idea and that business idea must be viable. Yes. So um, you would have, we have uh, what we call business coaches, and um, that will also, you know, have those interv- those interactions with you just to understand where you are in terms of your business. What's your what's your plan and where would you like to go with your business? You don't have to have, you know, a, a fully worked out strategy because yeah. that's why we have our business coaches there to, yes. to hold your hand and to help you uh, work your strategy to a point where it is now a, a workable business that can be developed and grow for sustainability. So you need to be dedicated to your business and you need to be willing to invest time into the business yes. because sometimes we think, you know, I can um, just run this thing as a side hustle. It's, uh, you need to invest a lot of time yeah. in the business. And it's, it's, it's also not about, you know, uh, you coming into Black Umbrellas and thinking that Black Umbrellas is going to, you know, give out money because the reality is that a lot of people come out and they expect that they are going to, you know, just because I have a business plan, I'm going to get money for that. Yeah. But there's, yeah. there's a lot of things that need to be put in place. So we, we are there to help you build your business and build the foundations of your business so that you are you become a viable and fundable business. And and I'm, I'm sure part of the criteria is looking at those business ideas and business possibilities that are going to mm. have a high growth potential and in and through it to employ, create employment and employ yes. more people because yes. that's part of the f- solving of the, the employment uh, challenge that challenge, we have yeah, yeah. Uh, in South Africa. Yes. So they're not really grassroots type businesses. They, they are businesses that have the ability to scale and grow. I'm not sure I understand what you mean by uh, grassroots business. So, so let, me, let me say, for example, so you'll have, for example, your, your, your fruit and veg vendors uh, that you might find on the side of the road. Mm. And it's, they're an important part to play and they, mm. they feed the community. And so they, they're very relevant, but they, mm. they're unlikely to go beyond just being that one Batman sort of stall yeah, <laughs> uh, into more sort of formalized type businesses. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, of course, when you do come and you present your business, we look at, you know, the potential of that business. Yes. And that's what uh, the business coaches will say, okay, your business, your business idea has potential. Let's work with it and, and, and move it from, from where it is to the next level yeah. and grow it. Yeah, so we're looking for that. I was just a bit concerned when you said uh, one, one man stand. It's, you know, you could come up with a business idea as, a, as, as one person. Say, for example, you want to 
you want to go into consulting, for example, you could yeah. start as a one-man person, but Absolutely. your business could have potential of um, growing into a super business that employs uh, thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was once upon a time a one-man business. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let me not pre- let me not preclude or prejudice the one-man business. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you turn a risky business. Indeed, that's what it is. It's all about risk and managing it and seeing risk differently. You know, dictionaries tell us that risk is danger, hazard, peril, potential loss. What about upside? Uh, we're talking to Olga Maloleke and uh, my co-host, Michelle Raymond. Time for a little bit of love. That's what the world needs more of. By the band Free. You tuned to Risky Business. Wonderful sound there of Paul Rogers and the band Free. A little bit of love. Tuna Risky Business. Well, Olga, we, believe it or not, are at the end of the show. Wow. See how quickly it goes. See how quickly it goes. (laughs) It is, it's fantastic how it just step into a different zone when you, on radio and time doesn't matter, but of course it does. Mm -hmm. So just in, in sort of closing out your, the dreams for CRF. What's next for them? Is there a what's next? Is there going to be something more that's going to come into the fold? Or is it just about taking what's there and making it bigger and more impactful? There is definitely uh, more that we would like to come. We love to say that at Cyril Ramaphosa Foundation, we are model builders. And model builders in the sense that, you know, as a country, we have a lot of challenges, developmental challenges. There's still a lot of work that we need to do to develop our country Um, to ensure that we are an inclusive society, ensuring that, you know, uh, that little child that lives in a village is also included in the formal economy of the country. So there's a lot to do. 
and uh, there's more challenges um, coming on that are facing us as a country. And we want to believe that as model builders, we want to continuously, uh, you know, um, innovate ways of contributing positively to the growth and development of our country. So there's still a lot in the education space. Um, we haven't even, uh, you know, scratched the surface. No. There's still a lot of work that still needs to be done. If you still hear of, of kids falling into the toilets, that says the need is great. Yeah. If you still have children that still go to classrooms in, in, a, in a mud classroom, that tells you that the need is still great. If we still have a metric pass rate that is around 60-70%, the, the need is great. Our economy is struggling. We need more small businesses in, into our economy, um, our employment rate, I think the stats the other day said we are on 34%. Most economies, most big economies, um, their, their employment is actually, their biggest contributors in employment is small businesses. So we definitely have a lot of work to do in this small business development space in order for us to ensure that employment rate is uh, go, go, goes down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a distinct pleasure having you on the show. I wish you personally and CRF every success and continued good health mm -hmm. and have a bigger and bigger impact and leave more and more footprints in the world out there. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Olga. It was great Thank to chat. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That was Olga Maluleke, the HR exec for Sura Maposa Foundation. Michelle, quick parting shot. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I'm reminding you that if you're not with the ones you love, love the ones you're with and take time to tell and show the ones you love just how much you do. Take some time this week to take care of yourself and uh, just remember that each of you are special, unique human beings. Be grateful. Start the day with an attitude of gratitude and be insatiably curious. We're going out with Billy Joel and his song Shameless. And he was shameless about the love that he felt for the woman that he loved. So be shameless about the love that you feel. Have a great week. Well, I'm shameless When it comes to loving you I'll do anything you want to do I'll do anything at all And I'm standing Here for all the world to see Oh, there ain't that much left in me Been insecure about the world I've been living in. I don't break easy. I have my pride, but if you need to be satisfied, I'm shameless. Maybe I don't have a prayer. Anytime I see you standing there, I go down upon my
Tune to the Risky Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hutting. And I'm your co-host, Michelle Raymond. You can celebrate another day of living. It's a good news business talk show talking about the exponential world, hosting fabulous guests from all sorts of industries and business, talking about trends, shifts, changes, and how you can not only survive but thrive in this exponential world and just celebrate another day of living and of love. Tune in for some inspiration, some exponential leadership, and some interesting thought-provoking conversations. 